So now in chapter 20, now it had what he hoped it would have. It had a shock effect upon, among the tribes. And they were horrified to get part of a torso, a leg, an arm, a head, or they gathered together. And this man told them the evil that was done by the Benjamites, by those from the city of Benjamin, the city of Gibeah. And he told them the horrible evil that had befallen him while he was there. And the people of Israel were incensed against the Benjamites. And so they decided to go against them in battle, and they gathered an army of 400,000 plus. And they inquired of the Lord, and they said, Who shall go up first? And the Lord said, The tribe of Judah, verse 18. So the tribe of Judah went up against Gibeah, but the men of Benjamin were tough. They had 700 guys who could throw a stone with a sling and never miss from 100 yards. They could come within a hair's breadth of their target and a hundred yards with a sling. Seven hundred of them, skillful and tough. And the tribe of Judah went up against Gibeah. The men of the Benjamites came out. Of course, the Benjamites, when they said they gave the personal agenda, and they said, turn over these lewd fellows who have, been, who have done this thing. We're going to kill them. And the Benjamites would not turn them over. And they said, you come and get them. And so they were more or less challenged for the fight. And so the men of Judah, Israel, were defeated by the men of Benjamin, who killed 22,000 that day in the battle. So the men of Israel came and they encouraged themselves. They encouraged themselves. And they said in the battle again, as they did the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening. And they asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall we go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, Go up against him. Now the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day, and the men of Benjamin came forth from them against them, and out of Gibeah the second day, destroyed down to the ground 18,000 men, and again they retreated. Verses 23 and 25. And now they fasted and prayed and cried unto the Lord. Yes. Now, I must confess at this point, though, I, I, I am a little confused. I mean, why would God send them into a battle and say, go into battle in which they are going to be defeated? I have to admit, I don't know for certain. However, in the defeat in both of them, they cried out to the Lord. But the first two days they went in and they got whipped. And though God had said go, even said the tribe was to that the tribe was to go in first of Judah, I don't understand for sure. And you might say, Oh, well, that's horrible that you don't understand. Well, perhaps so. But I don't know everything. And God said, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. My ways are beyond your finding out. And even as we think of Samson, why would God choose Samson if in his foreknowledge he knew that he was going to fail? And that's a good question. And I don't know. However, as I said, there's there are a lot of things I don't know about God and I'm sort of glad I don't know, because that causes me to respect God 
I know he's smarter than I am. Now, if I knew everything God knew, I'd be as smart as God. And how could I respect him? Not only that, it gives me a chance to exercise faith, which I don't necessarily like, but I'm forced to at times to exercise it. You see, to believe what I don't know is faith. To believe what I do know is reason. It's intellect. Now, I know a lot of things, and I believe them because my intellect tells me, well, that's right. Two plus two is four. And I can balance that in my intellect. I can rationalize it. So I say, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Great deal. There's plenty of historic proof for that. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Big deal. There's plenty of historic truth and proof for that. If you can prove anything in history, you can prove that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, if history has any value for proof of past events, if you want to prove that Hannibal crossed the Alps, you can prove that Jesus rose from the dead just as much as you can prove that Hannibal crossed the Alps or that Washington crossed the Delaware. So big deal. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I can prove it historically. It is things that I can't prove that I have to just believe by faith. That's what God honors. And I say that I believe in the son of God. Great. The devil, the devils believe that too. What does that make me? Absolutely nothing. But when you come to those areas of faith or belief where there is just not the proof, and I have to just believe in faith that this is indeed not only happening, but it did happen, that Jesus died. Yes, that's a historical fact, but that he died for my sins, that is something that I accept by faith that God laid upon him, Jesus, my sins when he died. I, I accept that by faith. That he rose, that's a historic fact. But in his resurrection, he provided justification for me. That's faith. That's what makes me saved. It's believing what I don't understand. I don't understand how or why that he would die for me. I don't understand how I can be justified by his resurrection, but I believe it because the Bible declares it. And so there are many things in our Christian experience that I believe, although we can't rationalize them, they're still real. And the things, especially when a person says to me, why did God, or someone the other day started out their their question and, and says, why did God? And I said, that's all the further you need to go. I don't know. I don't know the whys of God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And so when I cannot seem to reason or intellectualize some of the things, I then 
take it by faith. If God said it, I believe it by faith, not by reason. I take a step higher than reason and I step into that realm of faith, believing it because God said it and God, who cannot lie, has declared his truth and I believe it, although I cannot rationalize it or understand it in my mind. So why did God say, yep, go, and then allow them to get defeated? I don't know, but it's there, and I believe it. The third day they fasted, they prayed, and they waited upon God. Shall we go again, they asked. And he said, yes, go again. Now, this time they changed their strategy a bit. They had some guys sort of hide around the city. And when the men of Benjamin then came out, they retreated. They drew them out on out further from their city. And then these men came into the city and set a big fire. And the men of Benjamin turned around and, and they saw their city was on fire. And, you know, the fight just went right out of them. And they killed 20,000 of them in the field. And some of them tried to flee, and they grabbed them. They killed 3,000 in another place. They killed a couple thousand in another, and pretty much wiped out the men of the tribe of Benjamin. In fact, there were only 600 men who escaped the slaughter, but the rest of them, they were wiped out. So perhaps the lesson here is that in order for us to walk by faith, occasionally we must be placed in that position of submission that the only way we can look is up. Now, chapter 21. These men, they had made an oath, and they had sworn in Mizpah, saying, There shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin for a wife. Verse 1. These Benjamites, they, they do these things. None of us will allow them to marry our daughters. It was a vow that they made. Now, let me say that most vows, like this one, are stupid. Most of the vows that are given in the Bible are stupid. And this is a stupid vow. Saul made a stupid vow when he saw Jonathan wiping out the Philistines with his armor bearer. He said, Cursed be the man who eats anything today until Saul be avenged of all his enemies. What a stupid vow. Because later on, the day, in the day, as they were chasing the Philistine, the guys were so hungry and they were getting faint and weak because they didn't have any food. They were running out of energy and they could really. They really could have just slaughtered a lot more of the Philistines that day and had a total victory. But this goofball vow of Saul, which really had no sense behind it, cursed be any man who eats anything until Saul, sort of, well, exalting himself. And of course, Jonathan, his son, well, he didn't hear his old man say that. He was busy fighting the Philistines and running through the forest. And so he saw this honeycomb and he put his spear out and, you know, he, he reached through and was licking on his spear as he's chasing the Philistines. And the honey, the quick energy that's in the honey, well, he was revived, you know, and, and he had all this energy and, and really he got after them and was able to go then 
later on in this old man when he said, someone broke my bow to get today. Who was it? And no, no one would rat, rat Jonathan out. And so Saul says, divide in two companies. All of you and my son Jonathan will cast lots. And the lots fell on Saul and his son. And he said, Jonathan, what have you done? Hey, Dad, I, I didn't know what you had said. I mean, I'm going through the forest, and I saw this honeycomb, and I put my spear in it, and I ate it, and I was revived. Hey, Dad, it was it was sort of a foolish thing for you to do and say, look how faint the guys are. I mean, we could have wiped out the Philistines totally today if the guys had strength, but they ran out of gas, Dad. They ran out of energy. And Saul said, put him to death. Oh, man, that stupid guy. I'm serious now. No wonder. Well... He admitted to himself at the end of his life. He said, hey, I played the fool. And man, that is no understatement. And Jephthah made a stupid vow. We studied that last week, remember? The first thing that comes out of my house, I'll sacrifice it as a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Bible says quite a bit about keeping your mouth shut. When you go into the temple of the Lord, you know, put a lock on your mouth lest you sin with your mouth. Now, I don't think this is a proverb, but maybe it ought to be. It is better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're a fool than to open it and dispel all doubts. <laughs> the problem we get into with our mouths. Now, here is a foolish vow. They wiped out the Benjamites, only 600 guys left, and the rest of the Benjamites are wiped out, and, they, and now they think, oh, we're not going to have a tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of ben Benjamin's going to get wiped out. Oh, man, that's horrible. Oh, we can't do that. What should we do? Well, is there any city that didn't send anybody? And someone says, well, I didn't see anybody come from Jabesh Gilead. So they checked that. Anybody here from Jabesh Gilead? Nobody there from Jabesh Gilead. All right, then let's go to Jabesh Gilead and we will kill everybody except the virgins and we'll bring them back and let them marry these guys. And that they didn't enter into the vow, you know, you see. No one from Jabesh Gilead was there to enter into the vow. So horrible. You know, it's covering one stupid decision with a greater but, you know, you get into these kinds of things when you begin to fall one sin with another. You do one, and then it leads to another, and another, and another. And you get further and further down the line. It, it's just tragic. And so what they did was horrible. They went to Jabesh Gilead, and they wiped out the city. I mean, they killed all the married women, killed all the men. And they got the virgins and brought them back there until... And that still wasn't enough. I mean, there still was there were still some guys who weren't married. What are we going to do? Well, Shiloh was the religious center at that particular time, and they would have the feast in Shiloh. And during the feast, the young virgins would come out and do some traditional folk dances. And they so so they said to the men of Benjamin, who still didn't have wives. Now during the feast, when the young virgins come out, you guys hide in the bushes and you watch and see if you know. If you see a cute gal there that you like, grab her and take off with her. Sort of a reverse Sadie Hawkins kind of a day. And when the men from Shiloh came to us and say, 
hey, they've kidnapped our daughters. We'll say, oh, that's all right. Ah, just let it go, you know, and, and we'll protect you in it. So that year, when they had the feast and the young virgins from Shiloh came out and were doing their little ritual traditional dances, these Benjamites were hiding and they each, well, they each found a gal that they liked and they grabbed them and took off with them. And so the tribe of Benjamin was spared and did not, well, you know, they, they weren't deleted as a tribe in Israel. But again, there's no condoning of the scripture here. In fact, the condemning of it in the scripture, it was wrong. It was stupid. But that's just the way things were going because they had lost their consciousness of God as king. And so it gives you just a little insight into the civil and religious confusion that existed during the time of Judges. And again, the chapter ends as this section began. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Verse 25. But I'll tell you, when people do that which is right in their own eyes, quite often it is very, very wrong. Because of the mentality and the moral level of many people, you can't just let people live as they want. They will revert to an animal state. How important that we submit our lives to God as king. And next time, we're going to pause here in our straight through the Bible. And we're going to begin with the book of Revelation. In where Jesus Christ is revealed to us in his totality. Oh, Father, oh, my Father, let us learn to rely on you. Let us, by faith, be encouraged in your sacrifice of your Son that takes away the sin of me from this world. You are such a great Father, so merciful, so kind. I cannot help but to stand in awe of your presence. Help us, O oh Lord, to become the people of faith that you want us to be. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.